We're going to be taking our text tonight from Revelation chapter 8. So if you would like to turn there, now would be the time. And while you're turning there, I will open us up in prayer. Father, uh, we are grateful to be here tonight, Lord, and we're looking forward to what you have for us in tonight's chapter. And Lord, we've been so blessed, just like this book promises a blessing to the hearer and the reader and the listener. Um, we have experienced blessing upon blessing as we've gone through these chapters and this book. And uh, Lord, we know that tonight will be no different. Um, you will meet us here tonight, Father. That's our prayer. And I also pray that you would speak to and through me, Father, to uh, your flock tonight, Lord, that we would leave here more encouraged and lifted up in heart and spirit, Father, because you are so good, just like we sang tonight, Father. So we thank you, Lord, and we're blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Chapter 5, we saw a scroll that was sealed with seven seals. Seems like that was a lot of S's to say. Um, and the lamb was worthy to open it. The question was posed, who is worthy? And there was a silence and John said, I wept because no one could step forward. No one was worthy to open up that scroll and break those seals. But then right as he was weeping, he turned and there was the lamb. Jesus was the only one worthy to take that scroll and break its seals. And he did so in chapter six. Chapter six, we see six of those seals broken. But the seventh one was not yet. Then last week, as we went through chapter seven, we got a little break from the seals, and we had other things that we talked about which were a blessing to us. But tonight, in chapter 8, we will see the breaking of the seventh seal. The previous seals took about a third of humanity with its various... Uh, onslaughts and plagues and, and catastrophes um, that we read about. And we're going to see more life lost in this chapter as well as we get to the ha halfway through the chapter and towards the end. But we'll be talking about another topic that I think is important for us uh, to look at as we get into the chapter, and I'm excited to share those things. Chapter 8, and we will begin, and join me there in verse 1. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, the seventh seal, you need to understand, is a combination of seven plagues within that seal. In other words, there are seven trumpets, as we'll see here shortly in our text. So there were six 
seals before, each one having its own catastrophe. But the seventh seal contains seven trumpets or plagues that will be poured out upon the earth within itself. So that's what I would like for you to take note of. Verse 2, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. We'll stop right there. The seventh seal is opened, and there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour, complete and total quiet. Silence. Now, some people believe that this proves that the ladies from The View will not be in heaven. <laughs> I don't know why they believe that. That's what they say. I don't believe that because I believe God can do anything. God would that all men and women would come to the saving grace and knowledge of our Lord. So I believe he can save those ladies too. There's still hope. Amen. And we're, you know what? We're going to talk about prayer tonight. I'm so glad that pastor led us in a prayer uh, because I think that's going to go right in with what we're talking about tonight. But I will tell you what commentators do say about this portion of scripture, this half an hour of silence in heaven they say that it is an unknowable mystery. And I don't know if I can really believe that either. Because what have we talked about as we're going through the book of Revelation? I've talked to the men about this, and we have discovered this as we've all gone through it together as well. And that is that as long as you just read the book of Revelation chapter by chapter, chronologically, you don't take the chapters out of order, you don't take the verses within the chapters out of order, and just read it, it's a lot easier to understand when you do that. And that is exactly what we have done, and that's what we'll continue to do. And so even tonight, this silence in heaven, what could it be? Well, the chapters or the, excuse me, the verses that follow may give us a clue to unlock that mystery. What do we see? We'll read verse two again. And I saw seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Now, remember I told you, the seventh seal contains seven plagues. And that will, those plagues will be unleashed as these trumpets are blown by these angels. But watch this. Okay, verse 3. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. That may sound familiar to you guys. It should. You have an angel here who breaks the silence of this half-hour silence, and he breaks the silence with this golden censer that he has, 
and much incense is given to this angel along with the prayers of who? Along with the prayers of all the saints. And he's put that on the golden altar, which is before the throne. It might sound familiar to you as we go back. Let's go back to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 8. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Now that's interesting. That's why this sounds familiar. Our prayers are kept. That text points out to us that our prayers are kept. It seems clear to us, based on that text, that the 24 elders have these golden bowls, and inside those bowls are the prayers of the saints. That's you and me. Our prayers are heard, but they're retained. They're kept, and I want you to tuck this away for a moment because we'll drive it home later. They're retained, they're kept. And anytime incense is mentioned in scripture, what that means and what that's a picture of is intercession. It's intercession for you and for me. Let's go back to the book of Hebrews, if you would. Turning back to Hebrews, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter 7, and I want you to see this. Our prayers are not only heard. Now listen, this would be great news for the recipients of this letter in John's day. Remember who John is talking to. He's talking to a group of people, Christians, new Christians, the church, who are under extreme persecution, experiencing great trial and tribulation in their lives. We've talked about this a lot. We talked about it last week, how they were being persecuted. They were being beaten. Men were being dragged out of the home. They were literally dipped in wax and being set on fire as human candles in the emperor's courtyard, fed to lions. I mean, the Roman Empire has declared war on the new believer, on the Christian at this time. And they felt, you can imagine, like no one was hearing their prayer. But their prayers are not only heard, they're kept, they're retained in these bowls. Now, Hebrews. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about incense. What's the connection there? Intercession. We'll start in verse 22 of chapter 7. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety for a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing, but he, notice it's capitalized, Jesus, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Now watch this, verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save 
to the uttermost, those who come to God through him since he always lives to make what? Intercession for them. He makes intercession for you and for me. Intercession, what is that? It literally means the act of inter, uh, intervening on behalf of another. So what's the deal? You see in chapter 5, our, our prayers are kept in these bowls. They're retained. And then here we are in chapter 8. This angel has this gold censer. And he takes that, he's given much incense along with the prayers of the saints, and it's poured on the altar of God. Look further back in our text. Verse 4, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. Wow. What is the deal with the prayers and the incense? Remember, the incense was more like a perfume that when, when burned, it, it released this, this wonderful odor, this wonderful smell. The idea there is that Jesus, you and I have an in, uh, one who uh, intervenes for us, an intercessor. It's as though that when our prayers go up, you and I, we pray. And sometimes it feels like we, no one hears our prayer. And sometimes it feels like our prayers are, are, are just kind of going out there. But you know what? They're kept. They're retained. But here's the deal with the incense thing. It's as though we need someone to intercede for us between us and God. And Jesus is that high priest, that perfect high priest. He can not only, not only can he save us, but then he intercedes for us. He takes our prayers and he says, oh, man. Father, that was a good prayer that Don just prayed. And Father, Don has great intentions with that prayer. But he's a sinner, and he's filled with fleshly tendencies. And even though he intended well with that prayer, I got to sweeten his prayer up. And so I'm going to take some of this incense, and I'm going to mix it up with that prayer. And man, by the time I'm done with it, it's going to be a sweet, beautiful, perfect prayer to the Father. That's what happens with you and I. We have good intentions with our prayers. Amen? I mean, we don't pray bad things. It's not like we pray, oh, Lord, please help Biden to trip down the stairs of Air Force One. Oh, that, Lord, that'd be, oh, praise the Lord. I mean, we don't pray that. I mean, I, I hope not. We don't use our prayers for bad stuff. We pray good things, right? That's, that's what we do. We pray for good things, and we have good intentions from our heart. Lord, please help this to happen and help that, or I want this. Or, <laughs> But sometimes the problem is our, our flesh. See, we're still fallen, 
we're still sinners and we still have that fleshly tendency, that stinkiness. Because by the way, flesh stinks. Did you know that? Oh man, it stinks. It's bad. But our intentions are good and so we pray and the Lord says, you know what? If Rivers gets what he is praying for, that's not going to be good for him. He doesn't know it because he's got a little tiny brain. But I'm God, and I know all things, and I know what's best for him. So I'm going to take the incense, and I'm going to intercede for him, and, and I'm going to make this a sweet-smelling savor before the Father. That's what the intercession is all about. And so now picture it. Here we are in chapter 8, and there's silence in heaven. It's almost as though the Lord says, shh, quiet. Because did you know, by the way, heaven, it's got to be a loud place. There's a lot going on up there. You've got these 24 elders that surround the throne that are constantly bowing down and throwing their crowns and, and praising the Lord. You've got the four creatures that are saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. And this is going on night and day. This is all happening. There's stuff going on. It's, it's not, I, I don't want to say chaotic, but it's, it's a happening place. It's loud. There's a lot going on. And all of a sudden, shh, quiet. And it's quiet for a half an hour. What is that all about? Could it be that as we read the scriptures just after that, talking about prayer, the Lord is saying, I just want to hear my kids pray. I want to hear every word. I don't want to miss anything. And the thing that breaks that silence is the angel coming in with this gold censer and our prayers and incense and he puts it on the altar. Why? Because it says the smoke in verse 4 of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascending before God. Remember intercession from the angel's hand. Now, something takes place though. Watch this. Then the angel took the censer filled with fire He's going to fill it with the, the stuff that's been on there. It's been cooking on the altar, right? So the fire, the prayer, the incense, and all that. And this is what it says here. He takes it and he threw it. In the Greek there, it literally means he hurled. This is a 100-mile-an-hour fast pitch. Back to earth, and there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Wow. This is answered prayer. Answered prayer is coming back to this planet, back into our realm, back into our lives with an answer so great it shakes our world and literally will shake the world. This is good news. This would be phenomenal news to the recipients of this letter in this day. And it should be amazing news to you and to me today. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever felt like you've prayed a prayer for so long? And you've prayed it for so long, months, years, that you just kind of gave up on it? You just like, well, Lord, okay. I guess silence on that is my answer. I guess that's a no. And you just kind of forgot about it. Perhaps it was a discouragement. Perhaps you're just like, Lord, I don't feel like you're even hearing me. 
I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Keep that thought in your mind for a moment. We'll come back to that. Now, the prayer, this, this angel, he throws the fire, the prayer, the incense, all, all of this, it comes hurling back to earth, re-entering our realm or our dimension, if you will, and it has unbelievable ramifications. Even an earthquake, it says. Now, getting back to the trumpets, this seventh seal that has been broken, verse six. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. It's as though they were ready, postured, and ready to go. Trumpets to mouths, verse seven. And the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned, and all of the green grass was burned up. Wow. So we're seeing a continued devastation happening on a physical earth, a physical world, the one in which we are no longer on because we have been raptured. We have been rescued. Jesus has come back for us. He's rescued us. Uh, there in Thessalonians, the dead in Christ rose first, and then we who were alive rose with them, met Jesus in the clouds, and he took us to heaven. And that's where we're at during this time. We're rejoicing. We're in heaven. We're seeing all of the wonderful things that our minds can't even imagine right now. But down here on earth, it's getting more and more crazy. More and more catastrophes are being hurled at the earth as we're seeing right now. Things that are inexplicable, really, to those who would be here left behind. Verse 8, Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. So remember, we've talked about this too. As we read the book of Revelation, we see a lot of illustrative things. And so are these figurative things or are they real things? We're not completely sure. He says he saw something like a mountain of fire going into the sea. What could those things be? Um, a lot of commentators would, would comment and say that this could possibly be nuclear weapons uh, and the detonation thereof and, and kind of the uh, aftermath that that would create. Um, but, you know, would that turn the sea to blood? This could mean something very, very uh, super, supernatural, something from God himself. Remember what the tribulation is. The tribulation listed in chapters 6 through 19 of Revelation is judgment coming from God. Judgment being poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. And it's not, well, God's so mean. No, God's so patient. And God's so gracious and merciful. And it's finally time to deal with man's rejection of him for all of these centuries. Man has had... 2,000 years to get right with him since the cross. And so far, how's that looking? How's our world looking right now? 
So that right there shows you that we are close. The return of Jesus is near. We all feel it. We sense it. We can feel it in our bones. We look around in the world today and we know, oh my gosh, we don't know the hour or the day, but we know the signs and we're seeing those things and we're feeling that. And now here we are in this chapter and it's a continued, relentless unleashing of, of catastrophes being poured out on the earth to a Christ-rejecting world. It's a giant wake-up call, really, is what it's designed to do, to wake up the people. And we'll see in chapters ahead of us just what the people say about all these things. So something like a, a great mountain burning with fire thrown into the sea, a third of the sea becomes blood. Now, verse 9, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died and a third of the ships were destroyed. Can you imagine the sea life washing onto the seashores? Um, we've talked about this before, I think, when we talked about uh, this chapter with the men, that whale, that dead whale that had washed up on one of the Oregon or Washington coastlines. And this was back in, I think, the late 70s, early 80s, and they thought, well, let's blow it up with dynamite. Okay, was it Florence? And um, there's still, you can see video of that, and it's just wiping out cars and just destroying. Um, they didn't think that through too well. Um, they thought it would blow it up into smaller pieces, um, but uh, chunks of blubber were taken out. Car they were literally running for their lives. It was raining whale. But... Um, you know, you've, you've walked on the beach, you've seen these, you know, sea lions and stuff washed up, and, you know, you kind of avoid it. Can you imagine a third of the sea life dying in the ocean, washing up on the seashores? Oh, my gosh. The visual, that would be, first of all, and second, the smell, inexplicable. Now, can you just hear, though, the people that are crying out about climate change? Can you just hear them? Their explanations of all that. We told you. We've been telling you. The oceans are warming up. They're boiling. You know, and all of the CO2 and it's the, you know, your SUV's fault. All this stuff. You can just see them coming out of the woodwork trying to explain all of this stuff. Because here's the thing. Why would they believe that God would be doing this? They think they are God. They do. They have replaced God They've taken them out of the schools. They've taken them out of the courtroom. They've taken them out of life. So now, guess what? There's a void. So they fill it. So why would? So of course they're explaining. It wouldn't be, oh God, no. It'd be like, oh well, there's explanations. See, we told you climate change and all this garbage and blah blah blah. And so we tried to warn you. You can just hear it. A third of the ships were destroyed as well. Verse ten. Then a third angel sounded. And a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. So we saw the effect of the salt water, the, the oceans. Now fresh water is being affected as well. And the name of this star is wormwood, or also bitterness. And a third of the waters became wormwood, bitter, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. So 
Fury is being unleashed on the oceans. Sea life is dying. Ships are destroyed. Even the fresh water supply um, is being affected. Many people drink the water. So now you don't know what, can I drink water, can I not? Is this clean, is this good, is it, is it you know? So that is um, causing mass confusion and hysteria, as you can imagine. Verse 12, then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. So this, again, sort of could play into what some commentators believe could be the results of a nuclear exchange. Um, scientists know and believe that with multiple explosions of nuclear warfare, uh, the dust and soot and fire and smoke and all of that that would be put into the atmosphere would literally darken uh, the skies, and that would affect many things. Uh, in 1815, um, a volcano exploded in Indonesia, and it was one of the worst. Scientists say it was the worst on record. And what that did, that sent in, miles into the atmosphere. It sent soot and dust and ash, and it covered the globe. In fact, so much so that the next year, 1816, is known as the year without a summer. And what that meant was that it darkened the sun, it cooled the planet, and crops were affected, and many died because of the famine, because crops were not able to grow. This again, you can hear the, those who are calling out uh, the climate stuff, you can hear them coming out of the woodwork saying the exact same thing. It's ironic though, because in the 70s they were saying that uh, the, the, the earth was cooling, and that it was because of our aerosols and all of, all of the rest, and it was darkening the sun, and we weren't getting the, the brightness and the sunlight that we were supposed to get. And so that's what they were crying out in the 70s, but now the argument has changed, saying that the climate is warming, global warming. That's all they talk about. In fact, they're so serious about it. You guys know they've all met all of the, the great thinking minds around the world have met in Davos this week, and uh, they're all... They're all coming together because they run the world and they want to figure out ways through uh, even the world banking system, which I don't know what the banking system has to do with climate change, but I'm sure they've got it all figured out. But the point is, is now they're saying that the, the globe is warming. And so they actually have come together. These scientists have come up with ideas of what they need to do to fix this. And one is dimming the sun. We have dimmer switches in our house. If you know the light's too bright, wow, dim that. They want to dim the sun. How? By spreading some sort of like uh, particulate. Uh, I think it's a mixture of salt and very finely granulated salt and sulfur or whatever it is. They want to expel that into the air, and they want to do exactly what volcanoes do uh, to try to. Uh, reflect sunlight back out into space. They want to make clouds whiter to reflect sunlight. It's madness, you guys. They're actually taking themselves serious. 
Remember I told you before they were putting themselves in place of God? God controls all that stuff. But yet they think they can dim the sun. What happens if they dim it too much? Now we're really messed up because we're back in 1816, uh, a year without a summer. And Crescent City never has recovered from that because we still don't have summers in Crescent City. You guys know. They've put themselves in the place of God. And you can just hear them come out of the woodwork and try to explain away. I wonder how they're going to explain you and I disappearing. That should be interesting. We won't care because we'll be in heaven and we're going to be loving life at the supper. And we're going to see Jesus and we're going to see God and we're going to see uh, our loved ones that have gone on before us. And we're just going to be just, we can't believe it. But literally, all hell will be breaking loose on this planet. It really will. It's going to be a very, very serious time. And for those who don't know the Lord, remember last week we talked about this. Today is the day of salvation. Get saved today. You don't want to go through this. Okay, verse, I believe, 13. And I looked and, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud vo voice, Whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet and of the three angels who are about to sound. In other words, you thought all that was bad? You haven't seen nothing yet. They only get worse because what we're going to find out, and I'll just give you a tidbit not to get too far into it, but now we're going, what we have seen in this chapter is basically everything natural has been affected. The oceans, right? The trees, the green grass, and the fresh water, and, and that sort of thing. We're going to see the supernatural stuff start to be released in the next chapter, and that is going to be gnarly. So you don't want to miss that as we go through this book. I want to revisit something, though. Not to rush through the chapter. But I want to revisit something that we talked about earlier. And that is prayer. I've been waiting weeks to teach this chapter. Because the, the message in this chapter, I think, is absolutely appropriate for where you and I are today in our lives, but also in time and in this world. Because, you know, you say, well, you, you were saying earlier about, you know, our prayers are, are kept, and I, I believe that, and, you know, our prayers are heard, and I believe that too, and then, you know, the answer comes hurling back to earth. And that I haven't seen yet. You might be saying. Theoretically, we understand that. We can all agree, yes, you know, God hears prayer and, and, you know, and he does answer prayer, but why hasn't he heard mine? I've been praying for years for my whatever it is, fill in the blank. Nothing. How come 
It hasn't come hurling back like a fastball into my life. You might feel like the ones that we read about back in chapter 6. Chapter 6, verse 9. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? That might be you tonight. You say, I, I agree, God hears prayers, and you're saying, and I see it in, in the text, he keeps them, okay, they're there, but you said that the, the answer comes flying back into our lives and into this world and into this dimension, and I haven't had that yet. When? How long, Lord, do I have to pray that prayer? Have you done that? Is there a prayer in your life that you've prayed so many years, so long, and you just are like, and have you given up on that? Have you given up on that prayer? You know, I, there's a couple in the Bible that I believe did that same thing. Would you turn over with me to the book of Luke? This encourages me because I don't believe that this passage is just for me. I think it's for all of us. This, I hope and pray that this is an encouragement to each and every one of us. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5 is where we'll start. There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. Now this is interesting, because here you have this couple, and they're righteous people, blameless, it says, before the Lord. But there's something going on, and it's in those days was a stigma that nobody wanted, and that is barrenness. Elizabeth was barren, couldn't have children. And this is something that was embarrassing. This is something that was looked down upon in that culture in those days. If you couldn't have kids, oh, something was wrong. But no, they're righteous, though. They were righteous, and they were blameless before the Lord. And could you just imagine how that must have felt for them? Lord, we have done everything right. Lord, we, we follow your, 
your word. We follow your commandments. We, we, we try to live a pure life before you. We're, it says, the Bible says that you're blameless before the Lord. Lord, we're, we're doing everything we're supposed to do. Why is this upon us? Can you just hear their heart? Bounce over with me down to verse 11. Now watch this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of what? Interesting, of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. He goes into the temple and, and there at the altar of incense and he looks and oh my gosh, there's the angel of the Lord. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Oh. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Back up for just a second. Remember, they're well stricken in years. Okay, in the Greek, that phrase means they're stinking old. They're old. So childbearing years are way, they waved bye-bye to them long time ago. Okay? They're not even thinking about having kids anymore. But can you imagine? They were praying for how many years do you think? It's unknown, but I'm sure many. Year after year after year. Lord, give us a son. Give us children. Lord. Please, Lord, give us, give, Lord, 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 crying out for years. And now here they are, old, way beyond childbearing years. And they got to a point where, and the angel says to him, your prayer has been heard. Which one? What prayer? It, can you just see? I mean, it's almost like, <laughs> I, I, for ki I, I'm going to have a son? I haven't prayed for that for years. I stopped. I gave up. We're old. Look at us. Unbelievable. You're going to have a son, and you're going to call his name John, who, by the way, wasn't just a son. He would be the one known as the greatest man who had ever been born up until that day. Why? And that is said so by Jesus himself. Jesus called him the greatest man who had ever lived up until that day because, guess what? He would be the one that would be the forerunner for the Son of God. Amazing! So we're seeing a miracle unfolding before our eyes. Prayer had gone up retained in golden bowls by the 24 elders. Intercession, interceding. The angel has a gold censer with the prayers of the saints. And it's sitting there on the altar. And all of a sudden, guess what happened? A 100 mile an hour fastball comes flying back into this planet and he got John, a son. His prayer was heard. Finally, after all these years, I want to show you something. 
and we're going to close soon, I promise. But I, you got to see this. Let's go back to our text. Excuse me. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. How long, O Lord, great and mighty, how long is that you tonight? They get an answer. Verse 11, then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer. How long, O Lord? In a little while. And in the meantime, what's it say? It says rest a little while longer. The idea, I believe, is this. Your answer's coming. Your answer's coming. When? In a little while. Well, how long is that? No idea. Could be this week. It could be next week. Next month. Next year. Uh, a decade. Or two. Should the Lord... Terry is coming. What's it doing in the meantime? It's on the altar. There's intercession. It's being sweetened up, our prayers are. And it's sitting there on the altar. And when God sees fit, guess what? He'll answer it in a way that you shouldn't dare imagine. Because Zacharias and Elizabeth, they just wanted a kid. <laughs> But they got the greatest man who'd ever been born up until that time, the words of Jesus. And he would, he would be the, the one who would lead the way and point to Jesus, the Son of God. They would have never dared to believe that or even imagine it. But they got it. That answer come flying back into their world and you know shook their world. Amen? I have a story for you. Eyewitness. We were at our last building at Seascape. And church is wrapping up, and we we're asked to stand. And uh, one of my brothers, who comes here, he's not here tonight, but I look across the aisle, and I had just started coming to the fellowship. And I look over, and I see this man, my brother, you know him, he's in agony. Chronic back pain, chronic. I mean, I, I just, I, I kind of kept my eye on him the whole service because he's just sitting there like wincing and, you know, just trying to make it through um, Pastor Rich's marathon teachings. And, <clears throat> kidding. But he's just twisting and turning and, and just very uncomfortable. And we're asked to stand at the last song and he, <laughs> very calculated movements, stands up and I can just see the guy is just in pain and I'm like gosh we need to pray for that guy so the the, the song is done the closing prayer anyone who needs prayer come on up and I, I went up and I didn't even know him then hadn't met him yet and I just lightly put my hand on his shoulder and I said bro I said I'm Rivers I said um, you know what I think we need to go up and lay hands on you and, and, and pray for healing. Because I, I was noticing you through the service, and you look like you're in a lot of pain. He's like, 
He wasn't too proud. He goes, let's go. And I said, yeah, let, I, I think you really uh, appreciate this. Let's, let's go up there. So we did, and, and we got up to uh, the stage, and I had asked Pastor, I said, is there any way we can anoint him with oil and, and pray over him? So, and we did. And we, uh, Pastor and I, we laid hands on him, and Pastor anointed him with uh, oil, and uh, we laid hands on him, and we prayed for healing for his back. And his wife was there too, and the tears were flowing because you could see this was just been a thing for a long time in his life, you know. And um, does anyone's back hurt, by the way? That's not fun. That is not fun pain. Um, this was chronic. And so you could see, man, tears flowing, um, and we, we prayed for him. And moments, not even just a second or so, after, I don't remember who prayed first or last, but whoever prayed last said amen. There was this crazy loud pop. It's almost like I think someone either, like when you unplug an amp or plug an amp in and there's that sound disturbance, I don't know anything about that stuff. That's why I don't touch it. But it was this boom, this really loud pop. And, uh, you know, Spencer was over in the corner. He went, my bad. But, um, but it was this weird, and it was weird because here's what happened. Now, I witnessed to this, and Pastor will back me up on this. He, we all kind of jumped, like, what was that? I mean, it was loud. It shook the windows. Remember Seascape? Had those big windows. It, sh it was crazy. And he kind of was like, Oh, wow. And we're like looking at him. He's all, my back feels good. We're like, what? Really? I saw you. You couldn't hardly get two steps up here without crying. I mean, and he's like, no, I, 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 my back is healed. Well, you're kidding me. We couldn't believe it. And we rejoiced. And I heard the story later, a couple of days later, if I'm not mistaken, he showed up at the church, and Pastor, I think you sleep at the church, you're always here. He walked in and he saw Pastor at the door, and when he walked in, and he, he danced a little jig. <laughs> and, and he's bouncing. Now, he would have never dared imagine himself dancing a jig just days earlier, because the chronic back pain that he's been experiencing for years, he would have never dreamt to do that. But he danced a little jig. I heard the story later, and we still rejoice about that to this day. A miracle happened. Now, did someone unplug an app or plug one? I don't know. But what I think is that a 100-mile-an-hour fastball got thrown into our planet, and it disrupted everything. The windows shook and everything, and it... And he got healed. And you ask him to this day, and he'll tell that story. He tells that story to everyone. He tells me, yeah, oh, man, I told that story. And, I, and he still, it, and we saw a miracle. Prayer was answered. How long did he have to wait? A second. Now, they're not always like that. You're like, well, that's a cool story. But I've been praying for years for deliverance. I've been praying for years for healing. 
I've been praying for, in fact, you're teaching this tonight. I just remembered a prayer I gave up on and forgot about. We're going to close, but here's what I'll say. Your prayers are heard. Your prayers are kept. Your prayers are being sweetened up because we're raunchy and we have good intentions, but we stink. And the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to take that prayer. I'm going to sweeten it up and it's going to burn on the altar and it's going to sizzle there for a while. And when I see fit, when the timing is right, when the timing is perfect, you're going to get an answer that is going to rock your world so intensely that you're going to be blown away. You're going to be like, wow, I would have never imagined, I would have never dreamed that you would answer it that way. And it's going to rock your world. It's going to shake your world up. How long do you have to wait? A little while. How long's that? I don't know. But God does. But here is the key, and we're going to close with this, I promise. Here is the key. You have to pray. You have to pray. Keep praying. Don't give up on that prayer. If you haven't had an answer yet, then okay, you keep praying because those prayers are kept, they're received, and they're on God's to-do list. He hasn't forgotten about you. Do not take his lack of an answer, for lack of a better word, as procrastination. Don't take that as him not caring about you. Don't take that as him not loving you and caring about you. Don't take it like that. Take it like this. When the time is right, he's going to answer it perfectly beyond my wildest dreams. But you have to pray. Because we have not because we ask not. That's the key, guys. You have to pray. Keep praying. And that's why I'm so blessed because pastor come right up here and the first thing he did was pray for someone. That prayer was heard. Donna reached out and that prayer was heard and it's kept and she's going to get an answer. When? In just a little while. Whatever that means in the time of God.